You're listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast, a daily podcast dedicated to helping B2B marketing, sales, and customer success professionals become masters of their craft. It's Big Idea Friday, which means you'll be hearing Sangram share a specific concept that has transformed the way he lives his life and leads his business. Like Sangram always says, without a community, you are simply a commodity. Here we go. Sangram here. I am here with Clay Scroggins. Clay has become a dear friend of mine. He is a pastor at one of my churches that I love to go to, North Point Ministries, and has written a book, How to Lead When You Are Not in Charge. How to Lead When You Are Not in Charge. And to me, this really speaks to almost everyone out there. I think the title is so great that it is interesting enough for anybody to pick up this book that he just wrote. And to me, I had him come and speak to the entire company as soon as his book got launched because I felt like every single person from intern to in a leadership role, we all have these moments where we think, well, maybe I'm not in charge. Maybe, maybe somebody else is. And we all might be just pushing off these responsibilities to somebody else. But this book, his idea around how to lead when you're not in charge truly changes the game. So, Clay, welcome to the show. Thanks, Sangram. Super excited to be here. Thanks for the kind words. You've become a great friend as well. So thanks. Thanks for having me. Awesome, man. So, uh, you know, just, let's start with a fun fact about you. Yep. Well, I guess uh, right now, my most fun fact is we have five children under the age of nine. So <laughs> that, How do you do that? <laughs> I would say that's usually a fun fact. Sometimes it's not the most fun fact, but how do you make them? Or how do you raise them? I think this is not an explicit kind of thing. So we're not going to how in there. So when you, I'm just curious when folks that have four kids, how do you remember the names of it? And when you tell the names, do you tell in order of like youngest to the oldest one or the oldest to youngest one? What's what's the secret there? I mean, I do usually get oldest to youngest, but I will say about, so our youngest just turned one when he was probably three months old which, I mean, you remember when your kids, well, you might not remember. I mean, when you have children that small, little babies, you block that whole season of your life out because it is so difficult. It's just a blur. You're not sleeping well. And oftentimes there's other challenges that go along with it. And anyway, so I, I come to work. I was at work early one morning. I'm sitting in the break room, making coffee, still hadn't woken up yet. Somebody was like, Hey, how old's your, your baby now? You know, I'm like, oh, he's three months old. And Okay, his name's Wit. That's that's okay. What? And they said, "What is his middle name?" <laughs> and I was, I had like one of those moments where my mind just went blank, you know. And I was like, "Ah, oh my gosh!" And I, I couldn't pull it up. I could not. Which I'm sure this person was looking at me, going, "You should stop having children if you can't remember their middle name." So you have to start all over from the top again. Yeah, exactly. Hang on a second. Let me run through it. Yeah, exactly. Oh man, that is. Awesome. I love that. I love that. I have a, a friend of mine, uh, Brian, who's our chief park officer at Terminus. He has six kids. Oh, wow. And, and he's, he is the by far the most calmest guy mm. in the office. And yeah. I wonder, like, that has something to do like this. It probably does. Down. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's like chicken and egg, which came first. <laughs> was he calm? So he had six kids yeah. or is he calm now because he has some? I don't know. Yeah, it's great. All right. So let's talk about the book. How to lead when you're not in charge. What inspired you to write this book? Yeah, this has been a fun, fun journey to be on. I never set out to be an author. I never set out to write a book on leadership. 
but it has been so invigorating to talk about this topic. And the more I talk about it, the more I enjoy talking about it, which is great because when you write something, as you know, having written something, you end up talking about it a lot. The way it started for me was growing up, I always wanted to be a leader. I didn't know what that meant. As you said in the introduction, I didn't even know how to define that, but I just knew I wanted to be one. And I believed, I found myself along my professional career, believing the lie that you had to be in charge mm. to be a leader, that the, the leader is the authority. The leader is the one with the title or the position. And I just naturally, I mean, it's natural to grow up and believe that because the teacher's in charge and the teacher's the leader or the principal or the coach or your parent, you know, there's hundreds of examples like that. But the more authority I got in my professional career, the more difficult leadership became and the more I began to realize that just because you are in charge doesn't mean you're a leader. doesn't mean you're leading well. And if that's true, I believe the inverse of that is also true that just because you're not in charge doesn't mean you're not a leader, Mm -hmm. that you can be a great leader who has a lot of authority and you can be a great leader who doesn't have a lot of authority. And so bumping into this idea has just been freeing for me. It's really challenged me in my own life to own my job and to be as present where I am and to not long for that next move, because yeah. I think that's what I spent a lot of my career doing is going, ah, oh, if I could only get to the next, the next position, the next level, then I'll really be able to lead. And this has really allowed me to go, no, now I, I do hope to lead more, yeah. but I can lead more from the position I'm in right now. And I, no one has to give me another job title or give me a bigger uh, promotion. The, the, I love the phrase that yeah. you use in your organization that we want to give employees the keys to the Ferrari. Yeah. I remember the day you and I, talked about this that I thought, oh my goodness, that's a, that's a more clever, punchy way to say it. But every employee, (laughs) I guess so. Everyone's got the keys to the Ferrari. So you don't have to wait. You certainly don't have to be in charge. Yeah. You can be a great leader right where you are. I love that. You know, uh, in the book, I think there's one thing where you said you started off as a facilities intern, a vice president of nothing. (laughs) I love that part of it. And then you work all your way up all the way to the organization how long did that take from going to be an intern to where you are yeah. right now? So I moved to Atlanta in 1998. I was an engineering student at Georgia Tech, which I finished my degree in engineering and then decided to go into ministry. But what, I guess it was a summer, one of my summers in college. Yeah. Our organization was pretty relatively small, much smaller than it is now. And I wanted to intern. I was volunteering with our high school students, being a yeah. mentor to high school students. I wanted to be a summer intern with that team. They had one spot, which now we have loads of spots. So that was kind of funny to think (laughs) back. And that spot was filled. And so the only spot they had was to be a facilities intern. So that was, I think, summer of 99, maybe summer of 2000. Yeah. So I guess it's been about 18 years. years. It's not, I think, and I expected that to be a long journey is the bigger point there is also like, I think a lot of times I find myself is like, well, I want to get things done fast. Yeah. And we get there faster than maybe I'm even ready to be in that position That's a great point. And, and lead. And, and many times it actually is good for you to take the time and years yeah. so you can actually develop all the skills. Yeah. I wonder if you kind of look at it the same way. Absolutely. And the reason why I think I bumped into this in developing this content is that the great twist of it is that if you can learn, if you can really have a conviction that leadership is not about authority, but leadership is ultimately about influence. It's about the ability to cultivate influence. Then you can lead beyond your title or beyond your position. The challenge though, is that influence needs to be cultivated. I mean, it needs to, we all need to learn what are we doing that's 
that's creating influence for us? And what are we doing that's costing us influence? Yeah. Because every one of us has something like that. You know, simple examples like showing up late, not turning things in, not responding yeah. on time, not telling people you're going to do something and then not meeting that demand or not meeting that expectation. Those are things that cost us influence, but there are things we do that cultivate influence, that create it for us, whether it's the way we treat people with respect, the way we listen to other people, the curiosity that we bring to problems before we begin to offer our advice. The the more awareness we have on all of those things, the more we will understand the level of influence that we currently have. And and the journey for me, the 18-year journey to the point where I am now, hopefully has been a journey where I have been cultivating influence. And the great twist is that if you can learn how to lead through influence when you don't have authority, when you have it, you will be so much of a better leader because great leaders don't demand that people follow because they have authority. Great leaders, even when they have the authority, they lead through influence. So I I always use the silly example from the movie Office Space. Have you seen the movie Office Space? Yeah, I've seen probably more number of times (laughs) than than I should have. I would imagine if you work in the corporate world, you have to have seen that movie. (laughs) It's true. Day one. Well, you know, the the boss is coming around constantly demanding, get the TPS reports done. You know, if the the boss, you're with the coffee (laughs) mug, world's greatest boss. If the boss came to you today and said, get the report done or you're fired, would you do it? Well, for sure you would, because we all want to live indoors and we want to eat and we want to feed our families. And, And so we would get it done, but we would also look for other jobs because no one wants to be led by someone who's demanding we do stuff because they have authority over us. We want to work for people who leverage influence with us. And even if you own your own business, the same is true. When you own your own business, every customer now is the boss in a way. At least they feel like the boss. And so to learn how to treat those customers with influence, because you really don't have a lot of authority. Right. They can choose anybody. They could could leave in a moment. And the truth is every employee the same way. I mean, yeah, we're paying our employees, but they're really volunteers. I mean, any one of these people that are outside in this office today could walk out of here today and go, yeah. I'm done. Yeah. And so to learn how to lead them through influence, it creates long-term sustainable relationships and ultimately it creates leadership for you. Yeah. So if you can learn how to do it when you're not in charge, develop the skills to cultivate influence, it'll make you a better leader when you get into the position yeah. that you're in now, Sangram, founder, CMO, <laughs> boss. Uh, I mean, I have taken a path where none of those titles actually mean anything, <laughs> and you know that. Uh, especially, especially if your title has founder in it, it means that you're the chief of all the sweeping or any negative or anything wrong goes, you are responsible for it. That's and true. I'm proud for that. Uh, so one, one of the things I wanted to see if you could dig in a little bit with me is this idea of self-leadership. Yep. And you kind of talk through three different principles. Could you walk us through that? Sure. Yeah. The way this whole journey started for me was sitting down one day asking myself, what am I learning right now in, 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 in the role that I'm in? Which is a great question. We, we don't, we rarely do that. We usually rush past it. You know, yeah. we, we're just going to the next thing. We let our calendar take control, but to be able to have some space in your life where you stop and go, what am I learning right now? And that's where this line hit me that I'm learning how to lead when I'm not in charge. Yeah. And I've found that that really resonates with people because yeah. most leadership content is written to the CEO, yeah. but there aren't many CEOs. <laughs> you know, there's a lot more people like us in the world who are not the CEO, who are trying to figure out how to lead when we're not in charge. So the next the natural question is, well, then what am I doing to cultivate influence and what am I doing that's costing me influence? So I, I wrote down four behaviors 
that I feel like I've got to do. I, I really, um, in order for me to gain more influence, I, I have to in, uh, it really exemplify and employ these behaviors. And the first yeah. one is to lead myself. The reason why I love leading myself, or at least the idea of it so much, is because most people don't feel like they are leading to their capacity or leading to their potential because of their boss. Mm. My boss micromanages me or my boss doesn't pay attention to me. One or the other. It's actually their problem. It's his problem. It's her problem. That's why I'm not leading the way I should lead. The, 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 The great thing about taking up the mantle of responsibility that you have to lead yourself is it removes the excuse. It removes the blame that all of us are tempted to do. And this is really what I started to see in myself that I'm blaming, I'm playing the victim card. It's all, you know, we have a matrix organization. So we have a central team that sends out, that sends out vision and strategy. And then our local teams execute. And so we've got multiple bosses and it's just real easy to play the game, you know, and to pit one boss against the other and to blame them. And they didn't get it to us on time and it's their fault. It wasn't clear. And instead me finally deciding I'm done with that. I'm ultimately that does not cultivate influence. I'm going to lead myself. Well, I'm going to choose to lead me really well. It's my primary responsibility and leadership. Yeah. And I would probably also, it's not good for the business. It's <laughs> absolutely not. <laughs> because yeah. we could, you could be in that circle of thought where, you know what, this is what's happening, but you're not happy and the results are not coming in. Ultimately, it could lead to you no longer being in that organization. Absolutely. So it could be devastating to yourself. So I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I felt like that is something where I've noticed where things, when we did not take full responsibility for it, it's so easy to actually be in a completely wrong direction that you didn't never intend yep. it to be. Yep, both personally, but also to your point, for for the organization's sake. Yeah. So whatever your role is today, if you can take up your primary responsibility to lead yourself well, you ensure that you're always well led. So what I what I a, a simple plan for myself is to say, hey, okay, I'm going to start by finding out exactly where I am. I'm going to be super aware of myself. Yeah. You know, everyone listening, you should have a PhD <laughs> on you. Yeah. You should be an expert on yourself. You shouldn't be consumed with yourself, yeah. but you should know yourself really well so that you can know where you are. You can't get to where you want to be until you know where you are. So you start by being as aware of possible as possible of your strengths, your weaknesses, your blind spots, so you can know how to lead yourself well, yeah. because your awareness of yourself will put together the plan. It'll put together the roadmap for how you need to lead yourself. But that that's really where self-leadership begins is by becoming more aware of yourself. Yeah, I love that. I love that. All right. So there's a lot more cool stuff in it that I, I feel like I've taken a ton of notes. And I wanted to see if I could take the big ideas here and then for you leave everybody with a challenge. Sure. All right. So number one, this is really cool. Leadership does not equal in you being in charge. Just because you're in charge, that doesn't mean it just the opposite is equally too, true for that is like, well, if you are put in charge of something, doesn't mean you're a great leader. So anybody who's listening, most of us feel like, well, I'm not a leader. If that's the case, well, even your CEO is not a leader because he or she probably has a board. And even they don't have a leader because if customers don't come in, they will fire the CEO. So <laughs> at the end of the day, none of us are in the leadership and we can play this 15 game as Slate said. But the reality is that it doesn't really, nobody's going to come knocking at your door. You have to be self-aware of that. The second big idea I think you shared was around leadership is, is truly all about influence. And, and I love this point where you said that, well, it can be cultivated. So that means you can grow influence. Yes. 
And the way to grow influence is, is not this mystical thing of like, wait a minute, let me read the five dysfunctions of the, you know, no. of a team and, and figure out. I mean, that's helpful, yeah. but that's not the only way. We all know, we all work with people yes. that are not great leaders that have read all the leadership books. All the leadership books. <laughs> I'm like, well, that's exactly not you, right? And we can have that mind. But then maybe it starts with the small thing. Like, as you said, showing up on time, being respectful, not being super judgmental about it, not just assuming everything is wrong or against or anything like that. Just very, very small thing that we as people expect and slowly but surely you'll actually start cultivating. And it takes time. It's not an overnight journey. So I feel like that's, that's really, really big. And the other part that you said that it really starts with leading yourself first. So if you're not healthy, if you're not exercising, if you're not waking up on time, if you're not sleeping on time, all of that is going to come back into your day-to-day job. And if you can't lead yourself well, and if people around you can see that, you're going to have less influence on them just because of, because they know that you're not even leading yourself well, how are you going to lead everybody else? So again, this book is fantastic. I've read it. I've made a bunch of notes to it. How to lead when you're not in charge. Clay, could you share a challenge with people who are listening to this podcast on how can they do the one thing that they can probably do tomorrow? Sure. One of the most difficult things about determining where you are is asking other people for their opinion of that. I think everyone has, you know, all of us have our own sense of what I'm good at, what I'm not good at. But I have found just the simple act of asking other people what could I do more of to gain more influence? Mm. And what do I need to stop doing that's costing me influence? What if tomorrow you just ask the people around you that simple question? And maybe it's an, you know, maybe you put together a Google form and said, hey, I would love for you to just fill this out over the next couple of days. What's one thing I could do that would gain me more influence? What do I need to start doing? And what do I need to stop doing that's costing me influence? The, the challenge is, is that, that kind of feedback, that level of honesty is sometimes received, most oftentimes received as rejection. Yeah. And so really resisting receiving it as rejection and going, no, this is really a pathway for me to get better. It's a pathway of growth for me is what really allows me to overcome maybe the natural sting that sometimes that feedback brings. I love it. Love it. Clay, thank you for being on the show. Absolutely. You've been listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast. To make sure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you have an iPhone, we'd love for you to open the Apple Podcasts app and leave a review. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.